Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel, back from Africa. And a lot of you are sitting around wondering, I wonder if Mike made it up the mountain. Did he actually make it to the peak of Kilimanjaro? Well, the answer is yes. It was difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. The second two days were difficult. The first two were pretty easy. But the actual summit day, once it got over 15,000 feet, and I started to feel nauseous, lightheaded, uh, no appetite... I thought I was going to hurl about four or five times. Never did, but it really felt like I was going to. That's when it started to get really tough and cold and dark and monotonous. And you have to climb very slowly up and up and up. And you just start end up counting up your footsteps. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you have to just keep going. Mentally, it was tough. Physically, it was tough. Got to the top. Very cold. But damn it. I made it, and watching the sunrise over the glaciers on Mount Kilimanjaro above the clouds, it was a pretty magical experience, and I was very, very happy I did it. Would I do it again? No. (laughs) That I can say. I have no desire to do it again, but really glad I did it once. For two weeks, I was on a tour with Intrepid Travel. They're a tour company out of Australia. I've talked about them before on this show. I've used them in the past in other countries. First week was a camping trip in the Serengeti. We were uh, 17 people in our group and a really great group, really lucked out. We, from late 20s to late 40s was the age, so it was a good age group. Not too old, not too young. And a lot of times in these groups, you end up having like at least one asshole amongst the people, I'll be honest. And sometimes, hey, if if you don't know who the asshole is, maybe it's you. <laughs> but this time it was uh it was very fortunate that we all got along pretty well. So no problems in that aspect. Uh saw the big five animals, saw some rare leopards and cheetahs and the extra rare black rhino, which we got to see a few of them in, in the Ngorogoro crater. So An amazing uh, trip of viewing with animals. Lots of zebras, elephants, giraffes, more wildebeest than I'll ever need to see in my life. (laughs) But pretty incredible. So seven of us from the Serengeti tour went on to Kilimanjaro. We met up with three new people. And the ten of us went up the mountain. And there's usually, on the route we took, the Morongo route, a 70% success rate. And I'm proud to say that Nine out of ten of us, 90% of us, made it to Uhuru Peak, which is the ultimate peak, the top one, over 19,000, around 19,341 foot, something like that. Uh, Really cold up there. Air is really thin, but uh, pretty amazing. And I was immediately happy that I went through everything I did to get up there. And then you had to get back down, which was not easy either. (laughs) But we made it. We all made it back down. And uh, really an amazing experience. So I recommend it. I recommend it for a lot of people because all ages were going up this mountain. And it's not technical. You don't need any special equipment. But you just never know how the altitude is going to hit you. You just never know until you get up there. And for me personally, I found it hit me at around 15,000 feet. And then it hit me hard. So I was sore. Tired at the end. We partied the last night, and then the next morning we went our separate ways. I went on to Zanzibar for a few days of rest and recuperation, and it uh, it served its purpose. I sat by a pool 
looked at a white sandy beach. I went scuba diving, which might have been a mistake because I did two dives. And halfway through the second one, I started to feel uh, the sickness coming back. And I said, well, that's the end of my physical activity for this trip. And the rest of the time was laying around a pool and sleeping, all of which I needed desperately at sea level. (laughs) Boy, the air is thick down there. You don't appreciate oxygen until you get deprived of it. (laughs) But all in all, an amazing trip. I will continue to recommend Kenya and Tanzania to everyone who asks. Even if you don't ask, I'll walk down the street and recommend it to people. Go. And that being said, we have an Africa travel expert on the show today, Karen Jones. Before I get to her, I want to remind you that our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. And there you can see all our links to social media. And by that, I mean, of course, our Facebook fan page, Instagram, LinkedIn, Stitcher Radio, iTunes. And if you're going to go to iTunes, subscribe for free if you're not already subscribed to the Travel Tales podcast. But while you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating? That helps us, helps people find the show, boosts our presence, costs you nothing, takes a second, and it's all I've ever asked. So if you go there, if you're on iTunes, give us a good rating. Even if you don't want to write anything, just give us some good stars and everything else. So I'd appreciate that. And also, check out the website. Photos, video of our guests, of me, of stories that I've written, stories that the guests have done, etc., etc., etc. Check it out. It looks amazing. TravelTalesPodcast.com. And if you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right. That being said, let's move on to our guest. How fitting that we have an Africa travel expert. Here is the one, the only, the lovely and charming, Karen Jones. Enjoy. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm here with Karen Jones from Anastasia's Africa. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Okay. Yeah. Because I heard somebody in the office say Anastasia. Well, she she can be called Anastasia, Anastasia. Anastasia. That's what I'm going to get. That's what she's going to get from me. Perfect. <laughs> so you are the resident, I guess, uh, Africa expert. I am one, one of them. them. One of I'm them. One of them. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm the managing director of the company. Managing director of Anastasia's Africa. Right. Okay. So how long have you been in this position? Since 2008. Since 2008. Yeah. Okay. So what makes you an Africa expert? <laughs> are you from Africa? You're not from Africa, I, are you? I'm definitely not from Africa. Okay. I was, I was born and raised in New York City. Oh, a New Yorker. Uh, what I part? Am, Upper West Side of Manhattan. I know, I know it well. Okay. I lived in New York for a little while. Did you? Yes. What streets were you? I was on 98th Street between Broadway and West End. All right. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Uh, no, I lived in Brooklyn when I was there. Okay. I grew up in Chicago. Okay. And I uh, lived there for about a year and a half. And I had a girlfriend that lived at 98th and West End. Or something. Oh, well, that was... Right there, a, your hood. Around the corner from me. Yes. That's so you, a Manhattan, you grew up in Manhattan. Grew up in Manhattan. Okay, that's a whole show in itself. It, it is a show. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's definitely part of, you know, yeah. who I am. How did you get to California? Well, fast forward, uh, 
parents from Europe, first-generation American, spent a lot of time traveling back to Europe to see grandparents and such, to Switzerland, and, you know, so a lot of travels, and lived in the East Coast until after college and more time after that. (laughs) And then eventually my brother had moved to California and I came out to visit him. And it was actually, it related to my first trip to Africa. Um, I had fallen in love with Africa. It was, um, 1987 and, um, you were 19, right? Exactly. See how that's done fellas. (laughs) Take notes. Yes. Uh, so was this a, a pleasure trip or were you no. with family? To Africa? No, yeah. no. Okay. Um, I had already gotten into the safari industry and I was working for a company on the East Coast. Uh, and But I was very young, very green. And they sent me to Africa on this first trip. And it, it was magical. It was It was fantastic. What part of Africa was this? Uh, I went to South Africa, Botswana, and Zimbabwe. Okay. Yeah. So now we're talking 80s Zimbabwe. Mid, uh, 80s Zimbabwe, 80s South Africa. Yeah. Pre, Pre-Nelson Mandela being released from prison. Wow. Uh, apartheid still in swing. And um, just a very different Africa, Botswana. Um, was very untouched. You know, you flew into Mound and it was there was nothing. There was a little, little bar in in the town, and that's where everybody hung out. That's where the hotel was. That's where the pilots were. I mean, now Mound is is much larger. It's still quite small in Botswana, but. Um, so this was like a travel uh, junket or something, like for it, agents and things it, like that? It was a, um exploratory trip. We were selling Africa, and it was my first trip there to experience all of it, you know, and to, to get in there. And uh, So tell me about getting off the plane for the first time. You're in Africa. Um, you've never been. Right. And what was different about it that you saw that was different from your expectations the arrival was into johannesburg uh so you know it's yeah, it, still it's, apartheid it's, johannesburg. It's still apartheid and and it it's not you know it's not the safari africa that that you're <laughs> expecting so right. you get off the plane you're going oh it's a big city with highways and and all of that but you know it it was it but it's was, rough, though. Johannesburg, I heard, is pretty it, rough. It was a little bit rough at the time. Yeah, it was a little it bit rough is, at the I time. It still is, I guess. There's parts of Johannesburg that are very rough, but there's also parts that are really beautiful. I think that Johannesburg gets a tough, you know, wrap out there. Um, I think it's kind of a fun city. I've only been to Cape Town and yeah. the area around there. Yeah. But I've never, I stopped through like Johannesburg. We flew in and then we drove to Pilanisburg mm-hmm. State Park. Right. Which I guess is, it was a couple hours away maybe. Right, right. But that, I didn't get to see the city that much. Yeah, Johannesburg, if you know it, there's a lot of great, great places. And uh, when I'm in Johannesburg with, with people, I try to show them all the good you know, little little towns and neighborhoods and little places where you can shop for antiques and, you know, great stuff. Great art studios, great restaurants. So, so but, what... what but, a, it, but it was very different yeah, back yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then we went down to Cape Town. Cape Town was very... Um, I really could see the seclusion of 
whites and blacks and it was you know it was very very different it was the first time i was ever in a country where people were being oppressed you know i here i was living in america now i'm flying to a country where all this is going on i mean it was very different did you get a sense that maybe things were going to change soon or you just said oh this is the way it's always been and and I don't see it changing. I I think we we could see that there was change in the wind, but it was still a little bit early. Wow. Yeah. So give me an incident incident where you know, say maybe you were leaving the hotel and you're mm-hmm. this group of you're in your bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, were there places where you could see oh we're not welcome here, or you could see they're not welcome here? And it, definitely, I mean there yeah. was there was signage. I mean it was, I went to that it, museum. It, it was like it, the South. You know, in, yeah, in, in Jim Crow, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was very disturbing. Well, how did they like the South African the tourism board or something? How did they paint over this or gloss over it, or did they just say this works? You know, back at the time, the tourism board was not. Um, it, they they were not doing a lot to promote tourism into the country. They were... I think there were uh, sanctions and stuff there, internationally. There was, there was huge sanctions. It was really only a few years later when things changed that the entire tourism board uh, worked to change the image of South Africa. You know, they... I, I have old videos for, of, of their promotions that they did, and they basically showed pictures of newspapers um, sort of falling away with all the apartheid news, and then the new South Africa and and the changes and now you've got to come and experience this place. Um, I mean, I loved it from the minute I set foot, especially in Cape Town. It's such a beautiful city, but it was it was difficult and sad to be there then. Right. Going back year, you know, every year, you know, after that, and and then seeing. The changes, and then finally, after apartheid was lifted, big difference. I mean, such a huge difference. And people came back to the country um, who had left, young people who didn't want to be there, didn't want to be part of all of that. And uh, it's it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. What about Africa that you went there changed you so much? I mean, why why did it hit you harder than, say, visiting Europe for the first time? What struck you about Africa? Well, I think it was really the safari piece um, when I when I got to Botswana. Um, it was probably that first day in Botswana. It was probably the best day of my life. Uh, we we landed in Mound, which was, as I said, the small little town, and um, I was met by a woman in a Land Rover, sort of rough and rugged gal, which was fabulous to me, you know, because <laughs> here she was. Um, she was my contact in Botswana and, um, I had been going back and forth with her for about a year working on clients and things. And then here she is standing there with a, with a Land Rover and says, come on, let's go. You know, um, just you and me getting into a Land Rover. Two <laughs> just the two women. of you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we got into the Land Rover and we headed outside of town and there's, by the time you leave the town, it's just basically sand giants sandbanks that were bouncing through. And I said, so how long is the drive? Well, it should be a couple hours till we meet Mark. And Mark was the guide that we were meeting at a river crossing several hours away. 
So several. Several. (laughs) She said a couple, but all of a sudden it becomes several. Well, it became more than several. So as we're driving, um, suddenly, I I mean, I'm looking for animals. You know, I mean, we're on safari. It just suddenly we're on safari. But it's not a it's not a guided tour. It's it's just me with another you know woman who is a uh, expert in Africa. Um, driving, driving together, and I said, "Oh, what, what's that?" And she says, "What, what do you see?" And I said, "Over there." And she, "Wow, you've got a great eye," she says. And you know, I, I said, "Really, really, is it something?" She said, "Yeah." So she pulls up, pulls over, and starts driving through the bush. And it's three cheetah walking through the tall grass and she was amazed that I was able to see that. The cheetahs are a tough sight. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're hard to spot. Yeah. And so immediately I felt like, wow, you know, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. (laughs) And so I said, Oh no, my camera, everything's in the back of the Jeep. And she said, Oh, that's okay. And so she, she opens the door and steps out and I said, you're getting out? And she said, yeah, your camera's in the back. I have to go get it for you. <laughs> you know, and it's this, yeah, I've seen it so, so often. You know, I mean, the people in Africa, they're, you know, they know what to do and what not to do. <laughs> and I'm just, you're getting out? There's cheetahs out there. And, uh, you know, come to find out many, you know, as years go by, that cheetahs are actually fairly gentle creatures. I mean, they're not... You know, they're not probably going to attack you in a situation like that. But she went out, got my camera, and I said, do, do you have a gun? And she said, no, I don't have a gun. And you know, she goes, gets my camera. I get some great pictures, which I, I think I have over there. It, and, um, and it was just magical, you know, taking these pictures and being there. And it was – we had no real time frame, which – as the day wore on, I found out more about. And so so we experienced this whole, you know, f- being with the cheetahs, taking pictures, very unstructured situation, and then continued to go meet Mark at the river crossing. We get to the river crossing, and um, I said, how are we getting across that river? And she said, oh, yeah, looks like the bridge is out. And I said, yeah. So you can look under the water and you could see that there was underneath, maybe there had been a bridge and it was underwater. I think it had collapsed. But the plan was that we were going to drive across the river. That's what you got that big Land Rover for. Exactly. And (laughs) and we're going to use the remains of this bridge that's underwater and sort of find what's left of the bridge and try and get across. And we can see Mark across the way. And Mark is another colleague of mine that, you know, I'd been Mm -hmm. talking to for a year and a half about business. And and there he is. There he is. There's probably crocodiles and hippos in this Uh, water. Yes. (laughs) I'll get to that part. Uh (laughs) So, So we, uh, we start to go across, and um, the wheels get get tied up in underwater grasses and reeds and such, and we can't get across. We're stuck in the middle of this river with the tires sort of underwater and, and, and the vehicle maybe sinking a little bit. 
And so a bunch of Mark's guys swim out across the river to try and help get the tires from underwater, you know, unstuck. And they say, why don't you climb up to the top of the Land Rover in case it starts to sink down? I mean, I'm a girl from New York City, okay? (laughs) This never happened in the taxi. This is just, you know, (laughs) to me, it was awesome. And then the next thing they said is, "Um, can you light cigarettes for us and just pass them down to us in the water? You know, because the guys were, like, swimming, and they were a little stressed out. Well, why are they so stressed out? Um, There's crocodiles in the river. Can you keep an eye on, you know, keep an eye out for crocodiles? I mean, this was all serious stuff. This was happening to me. I mean, it was exciting and scary. And (laughs) it took hours to get that vehicle um, unstuck. Eventually, I think think Mark pulled us out. Like towed you, like in a winch or something? Yeah, they, 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 they had to pull us, but they... But we were back on the same side that we had started on, oh. not on the other side. So then the engine's wet, and now it's like, are we gonna? Yeah, are You're we gonna, gonna die out? Are here. we gonna call someone? <laughs> and they all laugh at me. There's no one to call. I mean, this was pre-cell phones. This is, you know, uh, sure there's probably satellite phones and radios <laughs> and all of that, but a CB. I don't know. They <laughs> yeah. just. They were like, no, we're going to dry out the engine, and we're just going to stay here until it's ready to drive back over the bridge again to get you to the other side. <laughs> I'm like, so anyway, it was a long, fun, crazy day, which eventually we tried it again. We got across. It was probably 8 o'clock at night. Hmm. We're, we're driving, and as we're driving in the dark, I can see eyes of animals, you know, with the lights of the vehicle shining into the light of animals. And it just, it's all worrying by me. Behind me are two or three Bushman guides speaking in clicks. And have you ever heard Bushman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do an imitation. No, that's but, tough. Yeah. But it's... If you if you ever saw the gods must be crazy or yeah, any of yeah, that, yeah. you know, Bushman clicks, which is n- its own language, um, with almost no vocalizing, just sounds. And this they're having a full on conversation about probably the whole day and everything that's going <laughs> on, but in in Bushman, it, it was it was just a great amazing day, you know. And I said so. We're, what are we doing now? Well, we've got to get to camp. We've got this beautiful dinner all set up. You know, when you get there and it's fine South African wines and food and yeah. unbelievable in the middle of a mobile tented luxury camp. So from that, that day on, you were hooked. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So how many safaris would you say you've been on over uh, the years? Over I have the, gone to day. Africa um, Approximately, at least once, but usually twice a year since then. So many, many, many for for about over 27 years. Is there a region you, I mean, Africa is huge. Yeah. I didn't realize, you know, until I had to fly across it, (laughs) just how big it was. Yeah. But uh, is there a region that you specialize in, more east and south Africa or... Do you even bother with uh, north of the Sahara? North. Uh, well, let's start. <laughs> Egypt let's and, let's start know. north. Okay. We do do a little bit of Morocco. Right. I still um, haven't which been. Which we love. Okay. You know, and it's wonderful, but very, very different. You oh, know, yeah. Experience to 
you know, sub-Saharan Africa. And then we do Egypt a little bit. You know, we've done it a, a lot more over the years mm. of, of late, not not so much. But we're we're getting more call for it. It's coming yeah. back. Post-Arab Spring? Or, mm. Okay. <laughs> I was there a couple just, of years ago, just, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't go. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, just literally in the last month, we're starting to get some more, mm-hmm. um, you know, some more people that are interested in it. And... I think it's a little early, yeah. you know, for, for that. Um, <laughs> uh, so then heading down, um, starting around Ethiopia, we do Ethiopia, which is very exciting. I don't know if you've been there. But I only just went through the airport yeah. and that was it, yeah. but I would love to. Yeah. yeah very I'm a big fan of the food. Fat, great food. Love the food. Am- it's amazing food. Yeah. yeah. I just flew Ethiopian Airlines for the first oh, time. Oh, did you? I mean, they were it's great. A, it's a good carrier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great. And they had their own, uh, like, uh, Ethiopian specialized food, yeah, you know, they, and in a little cart that they went by. So I had. Did uh, you try it? Oh yeah, well yeah. I love it here. Dorawat is one of my favorite yeah. dishes, and they had it, and yeah. I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, I can get Dorawat on a plane. Isn't that this is fantastic? Awesome. And Jera, the bread and everything. Yeah, the, it's a that's it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good carrier. So Ethiopia, you know, I think that's an area that's for cl- for our clients who have done a bunch of other things, and then want to do. Something a little bit different. Madagascar falls into that area as well. Yep. Yeah. We've got some clients right now. We're working on a trip for them, and they've traveled with us. This will be their third trip in the last four years with us. So first to East Africa, and then they went to Southern, and now Madagascar. Madagascar seems like it would be a hassle to get to. Uh, That seems like it would be kind of a pain. Is it? It is, isn't it? It's a bit of a It's a little work. It's a little work to get there. It's a little work. Yeah. It's a little work to get there. It's a little work to get to the Seychelles, which is another favorite of mine, actually. Yeah, that sounds beautiful, though. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful spot. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I've spent quite a bit of time there in the last few years. Just happened to have a couple of different projects, and then we brought a group of travel experts out there who wanted to start to to sell more. But... Our main focus, I would say, is East Africa and Southern Africa. So Kenya, Tanzania, and then Uganda and Rwanda. For for the gorillas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For for gorillas in uh, Uganda and Rwanda. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. See, I didn't do that on my trip. I just got back from Kenya and Tanzania. But the, the Ugandan or Rwandan gorilla tours, I needed A, more time, and it's a little pricey. It's also, it tends to be a little pricey. It is a little pricey. Yeah. We're going to have to get you there, though. Oh, I'll go. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not averse to going, but, but, uh, but on this one, I couldn't. Yeah. You climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I did now. Kilimanjaro. Now that's amazing. It was hard. Do you send people off to do that? We do. We do. We just sent a father and daughter, and uh, she was finishing up doing some work. Um, a medical internship, and then after three months of that, she met her dad and her uncle, and they okay. they climbed. And yeah, I saw all ages climbing mm-hmm. it. I th- there was a group of like seventeen Italians, yeah, that were uh, left the same day we did, mm-hmm. and it was it was like a big family reunion or something. So they had the grandparents there in their sixties, and then they had there was like a fifteen year old. Uh, daughter that was there and and all every, and her parents and it was just every generation yeah was climbing this mountain it was pretty pretty amazing That's and fantastic. I think most of them made it there was like a thirteen year old kid one of the uh, one of the sons that uh, got sick up there but went back yeah yeah they came back down we saw them on the way back down yeah 
Did you make it to the summit? I did make it to the summit. Uhuru Peak. I got my little uh, so certificate. Exciting. It was hard. 19,000. 300, 300 something. Some, yeah. Feet. Yeah. That's, it was high. It was high. At about yeah. 15,000 feet is where I started to get a little wonky. Like yeah. uh, I started to feel it. And I did the short tour, the Morongo route. Yeah. So that was only five days. That's which is hard. The huts. That was about as, that's as quick as you can do it. Yeah, I mean, people would think that doing it quicker means easier, but no. quicker means less yeah. time to get used to and the different altitudes. Every book we read about altitude sickness, or yeah. <laughs> they all said the same thing. That's too short. Too That's short. like we too don't short. recommend that route. It's too. Yeah, and uh, they but had you, a point. But you had a tight a tight timeline. Yeah. that you were you were trying to. And I wanted to, it was the one with the huts, and I had just right. spent a week in tents, and I right. didn't want right. to do a yeah. tent again. Yeah, the five night is a hut route versus yeah. the others are are uh, some tents of different levels. There are some some fairly comfortable tents mm-hmm. um, that. You oh, can, I saw some beautiful yeah. ones that people yeah. were setting up. You know, yeah. um, but all those years going. And no. booking trips, you never had a desire to do it. I haven't. Really? I haven't. I just, you know, the. I know how hard it is. That's why. I, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just. Putting, You'll send people I, off to it, and then you won't do it. No, I no it's just, not for everyone. Believe it, me, it's I, just not. It's not my thing. The not no, on the bucket list. Now, gorilla trekking was my thing. Okay. That and, and you've that, done that a number of times. And that's a, yeah. And okay. that's a tough climb as well but nothing like yeah i heard you, you gotta how far do you gotta get up to the uh well, to the, the gorillas the, the last time i did it we went up to nine thousand feet which okay. is you know it, it's not not fifteen thousand. right but, well it depends right. on how high you start that's yeah. <laughs> you're not starting at sea level no, so we you, st- we started at about uh six six thousand okay. i think or 6,500, something right. like that. So, How long does it take you to get it, up there? It, it to took see us them? about three hours. Okay. Uh, fairly straight up and very, very jungly. And, you know, you're, you're, you're climbing and holding on to vines one after the other after the yeah. other. So it's, it's, it's an adventurous, strenuous um, hike. And they're pushing you and pulling you. and um, <laughs> it, But it's... So worth it. I mean, to me, to get up there and see the gorillas um, right. is is beyond worth it. Um, so for people who want to do that, what's the difference between going to Uganda or Rwanda? Typically, uh, trying to figure out whether we should send people to Rwanda or Uganda and, and helping them sort through which is the best for them. Um, I'm looking at some of the factors such as um, if they want to do a safari in the country as well. Uh, Uganda has fantastic safari options that you can include en route to where the gorillas are. So you can stop at Queen Elizabeth National Park, see an area that is just prime for game viewing. Murchison Falls, and you really can make the whole piece a trip mm-hmm. en route. Then doing the gorillas. Um, once you get to the gorillas at Bwindi, the the difference between the gorilla trekking in Rwanda is that it's a much denser forest area, so it's a harder, even harder than Rwanda. Um, however, the difference also is that the gorillas actually come right down in some cases to the lodges because the lodges are built 
very close to where, not necessarily where the gorilla families are nesting, but they could be. I mean, they could actually come down to the lodges. They'll come down? They do. Ooh, There's that, a lot of footage. Scare I mean, the hell out of me. Go on, yeah, go on YouTube. You'll, you'll <laughs> oh see, God. you know, people... These the big camp. Like, silverback They're gorillas. Silverbacks oh and the family will just come right down. Not often, but it but it happens. So just the area, the lodges are actually built sort of into the base of Bundy National Park, and then you head into this very d- dense forest. So it's tougher. So when okay. we're so if you're real rugged and you know you've climbed <laughs> Kilimanjaro, you could I can do handle it. this. Yeah. Not a problem. But we had buffalo coming through our tent site. That was it. Cape buffalo. Well, and uh-huh. hyenas. Hyenas stole my. Uh, they stole a guy's uh, toiletry bag that is was this hanging outside on the track. This is in Serengeti. Oh, in the Serengeti. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say I can't imagine them. And they warned us: don't leave anything out. Don't leave anything outside your tent. And, and this is like. He left his, uh, his toiletry bag or something hanging, and so they must have Gone smelled like the uh, deodorant or, the, or anything with a scent. You know, the sugar and ripped the it apart. Ripped oh, yeah. it apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I left a bag. I forgot all about it. It was sitting outside. It had, I bought a little bottle of hot sauce because yeah. I wanted to put it in everything I was eating. <laughs> Spice and, up the uh, food. Yes. And, uh, and some toilet paper. And that was it. And that was, that was gone too. Took it. Ripped it up. Okay. So I can imagine these baboons or oh. hyenas like drinking the hot sauce. Oh, God. Oh, he's going to need that toilet paper. He's definitely <laughs> going to need that toilet paper. Good thing he sold both. Yes. So in terms of I like see. that, so Rwanda would be, now, it's just pretty much just the gorillas and not so that, much a safari the, as the well. The key focus there is the gorillas. Now, to get there is only about a three-hour drive from the main entry city, which is Kigali. So it's easier if we've got clients who just want to do a gorilla track after maybe a safari in Tanzania or Kenya, we can fly them over to Kigali, drive them up to the gorillas, a couple of days, two to three days up there and out. Versus Uganda, you can also fly right up into Bwindi for, for Uganda as well, but the costs are a little higher. And it makes really good sense to do Uganda if you want it to. Sorry. Take, it, take in the whole, the whole experience there. As, um, as someone whose job it is basically to sell... Africa mm-hmm. to people. What are the the common uh, misconceptions that you have to correct? What is the hardest thing you have to go up against? I mean, my guess is probably fear. I mean, there's there's always a fear. Africa has this um, image about it. They yeah. know what they see only on the news. Well, there I, there's a lot of misconceptions, and there's also a lot of over information. I think now, if you're talking about it what we go through in helping people get their trips together. I think there's so much information on the internet and, um, I need shots, right? I gotta go get shots. Well, it, oh, it, there, there's my... all those, there's those concerns yeah. about safety, you know, uh, getting sick, too many shots. How many shots do I need? <laughs> right. You know, um, getting eaten and, by lions. Uh, yeah. Kind of a, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of fear, you know, and, and political and fear. I mean, a, that l- kind of a stuff. little bit, you know, are the countries or, we yeah. going, are, are, are they safe, you know? And so there's, there's all of that. And then I think there's just, there is really just a lot of information overload and people, which there didn't used to be. There used to be a, a lack of information and people would come to you and just say, what should we do now? 
they have a lot of information and they're trying to sort through it and some of it's correct and some of it is I have to see the migration and they you know and people maybe think that that's something that happens two 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 months a year and that if they're not there at the right time they can't see it versus the fact that it's an annual movement of animals that's always happening and that you can see it at any time as long yeah. as you're in the, in the area, right place yeah you know? <laughs> and and but that there also that you know i think people realize that seeing you know a bunch of wildebeest and zebras that's not the only reason that they're going there is to see that you know there's a lot of other things to see in a place like the serengeti mm-hmm. and then helping people understand the differences between going to Botswana and being out in Makuru's, you know, which are dugout canoes, um, <laughs> going through waterways and, and seeing the Bushman people and the Swana people versus being the Serengeti or being, you know, uh, yeah, just telling people that, you know, there's geographically so there's a huge options. difference between East Africa and West Africa and South and, you know. Huge. People have no idea how big it is. Yeah. They don't realize how many times you can fit the United States and, and Europe and so <laughs> many countries in that huge continent. Yeah. Uh, it's massive. There's weather differences between one area and another. There's, you know, so many different cultures and tribal people and it's yeah. it's a hundred trips. It's hundreds of trips. That's why I keep going back. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I cannot get enough of it. Well, help me out with uh, West Africa then, because there's not yeah. a ton that I've ever had a desire to see. Most of everything I wanted to see is in South and East and Morocco. I haven't gone up there, but uh, yeah. I just got a little dose, and you can help me out with this. I had a 10-hour layover in Lagos, okay. Nigeria, which okay. was a nightmare. And if that's my little first taste of Nigeria, I have no desire to ever go back to Nigeria. <laughs> what, what Was it just in the airport? Just in the airport. Yeah. But I was treated like uh, a criminal in the airport. I was hustled around. They took my passport. They made me sit in a room. Oh, no. Um, Apparently, nine, ten hours of a layover was too long for their liking. And so they tried to say I needed a transit visa, um, all this stuff. And it was just, and just the way it was dealt with, and just, mm-hmm. it, was, it was hard and scary. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to leave yeah. at all. I didn't, uh, and yeah. I was telling them, I'm not trying to leave the airport. I'm just here. I'll go reading a book in a corner. Right. And you're, but, I mean, I, from what I can, can tell, you're a pretty hardy traveler. Now, take <laughs> take our normal clients who don't travel oh, they'd all freak the time out. for a living. Yeah. And they're not, you know, they didn't just get off climbing Kilimanjaro and camping in the Serengeti. They're used to more comforts western and, style. and western yeah. style. So we tend to avoid certain destinations. Not that I wouldn't personally no. maybe go check them out myself for my own travels at some you know, time or or I right. have, but we we don't do West Africa, we don't do Nigeria, yeah. um, we don't do um, Burundi, um, you know, places where the infrastructure isn't stable or strong enough, or where they really know how to take care of of tourists. Right, and we don't necessarily have um, tourists that need um, things to be like they are here in the U.S. I mean, we have adventurous clients and people who really want an authentic experience. Yeah. So, 
we don't really describe ourselves as a luxury safari company. We, we, our, our byline is, um, what is it? <laughs> it's, um, uh, authentic, um, African journeys far from mass tourism. So we try and take clients away from the mass tourism, but at the same time, we're not talking about, um, backpacking yeah. trips into, you know, untouched. We don't go to Tunisia, which is fascinating, but now is experiencing some yeah. trouble. Again, and, some Arab spring action up yeah, there. And, you know, so these are fabulous adventurous destinations, but we are going to Ethiopia and we are doing Madagascar mm-hmm. and we, and, and we are taking people into Tanzania, but away from the hordes of tourists, you know, and trying to stay at small camps and lodges as much as possible. We try and work with camps and lodges and places that are on private concessions versus, um, in some cases away from national parks um, but yet are getting the wildlife from the national mm-hmm. parks, but are just adjacent to a national park so that you can mm-hmm. go out walking. You can go out um, at night. Um, it, it's a different experience. You know, you mm-hmm. can go off road, which is nice, trying to do it without impacting the wildlife, you know, not shining spotlights in the, in the animal's eyes and right. um, not, you know, doing it with, with a low impact um, it's a hard thing, though, isn't it, when you you want to give people an authentic experience, but you also want to shield them from getting too authentic. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, when, you, defi- you, know, you won't have to bribe Absolutely. people everywhere you go. You don't want to get, have them in a dangerous situation. Right. But yet again, you don't want to be in this bubble where they might as well just go to Disneyland. You absolutely know I mean? it's a no i absolutely we it's we, a tough balance uh, in a place like it, it's a very tough balance pro- giving people authentic experiences that are still comfortable and safe and and it's true clients will say i want to see the real africa it's like do you do your <laughs> we could show you that and then uh, and then you're sitting uh, like a hostage in the nigeria airport for exactly yeah right or you know when people come into a place um, we do want them to see it, but they they have to be ready for it. You know, when they come in, I want to see the real Africa. Right. So you come into Cape Town. Now you saw Cape Town, a beautiful city, but there's a and lot the of rough million parts. person slum in Cape yeah. Town. Is it Kigali? The, the, Kishi, the, well, there's the Langa Town. Kailisha. Kailisha, which is in um, in Nairobi. Yeah. I thought that was in Cape Town. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. You're, okay. Yes, you're talking the giant you, slum. Did the, you see the, the giant, shanty town? Yeah. Did you see the giant slum though in in Nairobi as well? Uh, no. No. Yeah. I mean, those areas are are really really tough areas. Yeah. And but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go there. But you also have to go there safely, and you have to go in. You know. Um, right. In, in in Cape Town, for example, we can and we absolutely do go into the townships, but we do it um, with our team who know the people uh, who, you know... Locals. Who, who volunteer to do midwifing for, for, for people there in the town. And when we drive in there, you're welcomed with open arms and you're going into people's homes and you're seeing... But you don't want to get into a taxi in Cape Town and just drive out to a township and just say, oh, let's just go check it out ourselves. Yeah. I mean, these are where people can, can get into rough and right, dangerous right. spots. And so, Give me your scariest 
personally incident you've ever had in Africa, whether it be with people, police, or animals, or or all of them? One of the scariest was when I was leading a group of travel agents, you know, so, so we sometimes take travel agents on trips to train them and so that they know more about it and then they can work with us and send their clients to Africa through us, right? So I had a group of agents. They are, we're well-traveled people, you would think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're at the border in Zimbabwe coming from, in, from Zambia into Zimbabwe. And this was about 10 years ago. So it was at the height of a lot of the stresses where Mugabe was moving farmers off their land. That guy's such an asshole. Uh, that's for sure. And he's been around for, what, 40 years now or some crazy thing? He just won't die. No, he won't. He just, just the man just will not die. He started on that guy. Yeah, let's, let's not. So you've got these agents at the border. So we're, we're at the You're border. You're coming in or out of Zimbabwe? We're going into Zimbabwe. Into, okay. And, um... Typically what happens is if you're leading a small group of people, you know, as the leader, instead of getting everyone to get off the vehicle with their, um, with their passports, if, if they allow it, which they did, the, the group leader, which was me, can take everyone's passports and go in, right? Mm-hmm. And the guide who was with us said, yeah, take everyone's passports and you and I will go in. Everyone stay on the bus. We get off. We go into the passport control. You can see behind the counter all the the liquor and everything that's either been used for bribes or that they've, you know, uh, taken away from, from people. It's just all under there. And I'm standing there quietly and waiting for him to take my big pile of about 10 passports and stamp them and look through them carefully. And, and suddenly my guide who's standing right next to me turns around and he's going, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. And I went, What's the matter? What's the matter? And I look around, I turn around, and people from my group have gotten off the bus and are walking around taking pictures of all of the um, border guards with their machine guns out, and which is like, you know, Travel 101. You don't take pictures at airports, border right. crossings, military uh, establishments. And... I can see this border guard. He's starting to take his machine gun like off of his arm and starting to yell at my people. I mean, I, I don't know if I was really that scared. I wasn't that scared. I, I, I knew what to do. I don't know how I knew, but I did. I you just, gave him a bottle of whiskey? <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> if I had had one, I would have. No, what I did was I ran out there and started yelling at my people. Get back on the bus. What do you think you're doing? You know, these are my clients, and I'm yelling at them. (laughs) But I knew that if I did it, they would react properly. The guards would see that I was angry at my people and that I was, you know, telling them, get back on the bus. And so I saw him put the machine gun back up on his shoulder, you know, and sort of relax his stance a little bit. And my people, you know, looked at me like deers in the headlights <laughs> and run back on the bus. You know, and I went, this is crazy. Now, I mean, 
I, that's that's pretty mild experience, right. but it, it was scary. It was a little bit scary. How many bribes have you had to give over the years? I, I've, ne- I've never given. Come on, never, really? Never, never. Come on, never. I know you got to say that, but <laughs> I, it's never, as Africa. Never, never, no All bribes. Right. Well, right. oh wait a minute. Okay, what? Well, okay. Just of one. <laughs> I just I thought, yeah, that was that was trying to get from Zimbabwe again, Zimbabwe uh-huh. into, a trend here. into Botswana, but it, I think it was actually the Botswana border people. It's all those borders. Borders yeah. really a problem. Uh, I had a bunch of border problems. I mean, borders are not a place to do anything you're not supposed to do, which is exactly what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, this border, uh, our guide was being a bit of a wise guy uh, to the border. That's um, what you want. Which they it, love to yeah. joke around. You know, being a wise guy and the border guard made him take the car apart. And again, we just stood there waiting for oh. hours while he was taking the entire car apart. I mean, he wanted him to take, I, I don't know, car mechanics, but he was taking everything out of these. the engine. Yeah, the engine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought you meant he was just taking the bag yeah. out. No, 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 no. I mean, taking the oh, car apart. No. And. You know, and this is because the guide was being a wise guy, and the border, the border, the border guards are very much wanting to show that they're in control. Right, absolutely. Oh, wait. This is their one power this trip. Is, they have a lot of power, and they're going to use it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you experience that. I every all the problems I've really had have been of borders. I I also had uh, on a different trip I was on. We stopped in Burundi, and um, someone who was traveling with me, by mistake, I think he was, he was really tired, he's a travel writer, he, he got off the plane by mistake thinking we were in Kigali, and just went into the Burundi airport, and was kind of like, aren't they coming? And we knew, we were just stopping for a few minutes oh, in Burundi, no. we're still on the plane, we think he's in the bathroom, we're going, where's David, where did he go? And the the flight attendant says, "Oh, he he got off the plane." Next thing we see him being escorted, like probably the way you were treated, oh. back onto the plane by these police from Burundi, and he did not have a good experience in that airport either. No. And Burundi's not a military state or anything, but it's just not developed. Um, and then this past summer, I had a problem in Tanzania at the at the. Uh, Kilimanjaro Airport. My husband and son were not taking the security seriously oh. enough, and my son or husband, one of it was my husband, was out in the the main area, bought a Coca Cola for my son, and handed it through the gate to my son who was in the secure area. Oh, and they saw him, and they took my husband away. <laughs> and again, you know, going, oh my. You know that was scary because my kids were upset. Oh yeah, and um, and I had to decide whether to leave my kids and or stay or go help my husband. I know who won there. The kids won, right? Yeah. No, I, no, I went and rescued <laughs> oh, my really? husband. You did? Oh, I had to. How old are the kids, though? How old are the kids? Uh, sixteen and and uh, ten. Oh well, you know they're they're a little young. Yeah, they, they were pretty upset. I bet. But hope my, that coke was. Delicious. It better have been. <laughs> I mean, border, I, that's my big advice. Don't mess with the borders Don't at the airports. Don't mess so. with borders. Just follow the rules. Do exactly what they say. Right. Well, in all this time of working with Africa, um, what are the places that you've seen progress in a positive way? 
And what are the countries that you said, you know what, I had high hopes for this place, and it's just gone down the tubes? Yeah. Because mm. a lot has changed in 20, yeah. 25 years. I can't see too many. Zimbabwe has gotten Well, Zimbabwe was worse. doing wonderful. Yeah. For years and years, and it was our main, um, you know, we didn't sell Zambia back in the 80s and the early 90s. Then we had all the issues that we've had in Zimbabwe, but it's coming back. I mean, it is coming it is? back. It is definitely coming back. We're sending clients there. All right. And we, I would send clients there in a heartbeat now. Um, one of the nice things that, that's happened in Zim is that all the really good guides who are some of the top, top guides in Africa very highly qualified the hardest um, testing procedures are in Zimbabwe and Zambia for guides so you have very top guides but what they've done in the last 10 years is they've got, gone off and guiding elsewhere so they're in Tanzania they're in Kenya, they're in South Africa Botswana but now they're all coming back because they want because things really are changing and they want to come back to Zimbabwe and so people will have fantastic experiences in the next five years in, in Zimbabwe as it comes back so Zimbabwe was up, down, coming back Botswana um, is fantastic um, It, I think it's just gotten better in some ways the only challenge will be making sure that it doesn't um, change its focus from low density tourism to you know starting to let larger lodges in and putting too many tourists in, in places but it doesn't look like they will be doing that they stopped hunting in Botswana uh, this past year so there's no more hunting allowed in the country um, which they were they needed that money and they were using that money for for um, yeah. just to support the country and hunting is very different from poaching you know yeah um, but i mean it's hard to convince you know, people who are really poor mm-hmm. that that animal is worth more alive alive than, than dead absolutely i mean where have you seen the animals like really so, noticeably take a take a big dip in numbers uh, because of poaching. I mean, well, the rhino is real in trouble. The black r- rhino. Rhinos are in trouble because of their horns. There's a demand for the horn. Um, when the Chinese get money. Yeah. It's always a bad thing. And it's and it's really heavily affecting Africa. Yeah. That uh, as well as other. Well, the Chinese are buying up uh, Africa. other interests that they have in Africa yeah, for oil and for everything. oil and minerals and and we're seeing that in Tanzania. Big huge problem. And I don't want to just focus on the problems because right. I love. No, I, mean, I, know. I I absolutely love love Africa. But yeah, I think having an understanding of the problems that are there, um, they're trying to build a highway through the Serengeti. You were just in the mm-hmm. Serengeti. Did you hear about that when no. you were there? Yeah, it's called the Serengeti Highway, and they want to build it straight through because they want to do a truck route that they need to bring um, resources back and forth, basically the Chinese, to yeah. um, get up to towards Lake Victoria. And um, so all they have to do is move it and not go through the route and not mess with the migration routes and all of that. Yeah. But it's it's easier to go through. Right. Not for the animals, but for people. Right. So that fight is being fought. Um, so that would be a real step backwards if Tanzania um, goes forward with this 
Serengeti Highway. It would right. be very bad. Um, so we're really hoping that they have more forward thinking and that they can see wildlife and tourism. Um, but but if you actually put it put the numbers side by side, you know the numbers are much higher for against the tourism. And, right. And, right. And so. Um, Kenya is how um, keeps you know having its challenges with uh, different political issues <laughs> and unfortunately some terrorism incidences and things. It's still a fabulous, beautiful country where you can have incredible wildlife experiences, a lot of um, very old, traditional African safari experiences where you. You know, um, a lot of owner-operated camps and lodges where you can go out with local people um, who have lived there for, you know, their whole lives and maybe second, third, fourth generation Kenyan families. And they're, and they're doing a lot of partnerships with the local Maasai and local Samburu. Um, so you're seeing community partnership conservation areas and those are really great. Right. So I think having clients do that, um, you don't see that in um, in Tanzania at all. So really in Kenya, you're going to get that. I'm guessing um, most people, like most Americans, they only go to, they probably only go to Africa once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so knowing this and knowing how little time Americans usually have for vacation. Right. Two they'll, weeks. They'll come to you and they say, I have two weeks. Two to three weeks. And I want to go to, yeah, and I want to go to Africa. Where do I get this African experience in two weeks? Now, you've got to decide where to go. I mean, sending them to South Africa is a different story than sending them to Kenya and everything else. So how? How how do you, yeah. (laughs) How do we do it? What's your first go-to? I mean, if you're going to say one place. Really? Two weeks. I I got two weeks. So I could answer that, Mike. But the problem is, (laughs) it's what what makes us a little different is I don't I don't have a brochure and and just and say here's tour A to South Africa, here's tour B to Botswana, here's Kenya, here's Tanzania. It's really more about understanding you and you. What I would say for you to do for that first trip or your second or third trip now that you've been there, versus. This family who's coming to us for what they want to do this coming Christmas. Right. To this to couple on their honeymoon. Yeah. To this bunch of friends who wants to go. It's really different. Yeah. I mean, and what their perspective is. People will come to us and the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, well, we've heard that the, um, the wine country is so beautiful. So they're talking about the wine country in Africa. <laughs> so I know exactly yeah. what they're talking about. They're right. talking South about Africa, South Africa wine country. Yeah. So they already have that in their head. And that means that, that what they want to do is a mixture of wine country, South Africa, um, maybe safari. city culture, and then some safari. Yeah. So we could go on safari in, in the greater Kruger area. We could go to Botswana because it's easy to combine with South Africa. And then maybe hit the falls because Victoria Falls is very close and it works really well with it. Another another person will come and want have not, want to have nothing to do with the city. 
at all. I mean, right. we're going to Africa. They we, saw a National Geographic special. We and they watch. <laughs> we watch. Oh, we watch. You know, Discovery and yeah, we want to see some animals diaries, <laughs> and that's you know that's all we care about. Africa, animals, 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 wildlife. You know, don't talk to us about <laughs> yeah. Cape Town. You know, exactly. or we live in Northern California. On we get plenty of wine in Malibu, you know. and and, <laughs> yeah. and or we live up in the wine country. They don't need to do that, you know. So it's a different. So then, if we're really talking wildlife, probably the best wildlife areas are going to be Tanzania, parts of Kenya, um, Botswana, and Zambia. And then, like I said, Zimbabwe is coming back. Zimbabwe and Zambia are like mirror images of each other as far as the experience. You literally can take the Zambezi River, and you can be on the right side of it, and it's Zimbabwe. The left side, it's Zambia. It's same same basal park. One side's called Monopools. One side's called Lower Zambezi. You know? right. One side's called Livingston. The other side's called Victoria Falls. And you can do that up a lot of the Zambezi and and do mirror experiences and then you do great walking safaris in Zambia very deep immersion yet comfortable great great places to put your head down you know (laughs) um, amazing food great guides sitting around at night around the campfire and talking and um, I finished with a few days in Zanzibar okay which um, what are your thoughts well, I know my thoughts, but I mean, okay. I was in a very, I mean, uh, the hotel I was in was really nice, mm-hmm. but it was all couples. Stone Town. <laughs> no, I was, I was. Oh, uh, you were, you were at a resort. Matemwe. Okay. Matemwe. Uh, I, I scuba dive. Matemwe. Um, Re- retreat or Mitchell? Sun, Sunshine Marine Lodge. Some. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, literally out in the middle of. Right. It's, it's White Sand By Beach. itself. By itself. There wasn't really a beach. You had to walk down to the beach at low tide. You could get there. Right, yeah. Um, but you could see Matemwe Island or... Um, Memba. Memba Island. Yeah. Right from... Right. I know where I know where you were. Right from where we were. And it was beautiful, yeah. but yeah. it was totally couples. It yeah. Was, it was a total couples place. Yeah, so Zanzibar, um, definitely uh, people think of it for their honeymoon. Yeah. You know, for a few nights after the safari. Um and um, so you are going to see couples at. at <laughs> yeah. um, it was a great way to unwind some after the, the some party. luxury resorts, yeah. um, you know. And we have a few that really can deliver. Be honest, However, three four days is probably plenty. Oh, max, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, good. yeah. No, no, I no. played that right. That. But but um, the thing is, though, it is title, and that's so. Yeah. Again, we try to control people's expectations. I want people to go to Africa. I want to tell them all of the great stuff, but I want them to understand ahead of time so that when they see that their beach isn't there, yeah. <laughs> they don't go, wait a minute. <laughs> and also, I was on the east side. I guess the better beaches are on the west. Um, um, yeah, and there's some good beaches up in the north as well. Yeah, you know, and they're a little bit. And less there's other party towns. There. I was in the middle of nowhere, but I was yeah. okay with that. Yeah, Nungui, was... Nungui is really your pa- yeah. party town. Which, again, if we have people who say if they're young, they're on their honeymoon, some of them don't want to go in and party. 
they just want to be yeah. at a beach resort and they're, they're happy. I was in no shape to party after that climb. So uh, I just I, sat around the pool. You needed to just chill. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it worked great for that. Yeah. Yeah. The, one of my favorite things in Zanzibar, though, is um, to be in Stonetown, which I hope you got I to did. do I, a walking tour of the back I walked all around, the, I walked around it, but I didn't do a guided tour. I just okay. walked. Yeah. I mean, those buildings are phenomenal. It's a yeah. World Heritage Site, and it's exciting, and it's a little <laughs> piece of Arabic culture right there. You know, it's just so fantastic. So we usually have clients do one night in Stonetown. And then in the morning we meet them and then take them and we do guide them through Stonetown. And then they go out to a beach resort yeah. of some sort. I did it backwards. I went right to the resort. And, and then, then my flight leaving was at 325 in the morning. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I just went to – I did the afternoon in Stonetown, got a cheap room for – To, to you know, take and a I left at, Yeah, and I yeah. left at 1 in the morning. Right. Yeah, yeah. To go there because it's very close to the airport. Oh, yeah. So, we had another – Airport story in Zanzibar. Oh really? Oh, I don't think it's I'm always gonna... the airports. It, oh my gosh, that 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 was another one. Yeah. So okay, so to to wrap it up, um, tell people. I mean, if your your job is to sell Africa, mm-hmm. sell it to them. If if they're looking to decide where to go on their next vacation, why Africa? Why should I go to Africa? Well, tell me, Karen. Why should I go to Africa? <laughs> Well, I'm Mike, Joe Blow American. Let me tell you, Mike. Okay. <laughs> um, it's life-changing. I think that that's the key. Uh, it, it's very primal. It's a place where when you get off the plane, and it doesn't matter if it's Johannesburg, Cape Town, or if you're in the middle of the bush within your first two hours, there's something about it that, feels different and magical and everybody I know who's ever been there says that and it is it's hard to explain but I do tell people that um and I believe that it has to do with the fact that we all came from Africa and um that there's a connection for us the sky is bigger there the land is is wide open um in many places it's there's there's a feeling of space and freedom. Um, you get to connect to wildlife that is nowhere else on the planet, um, d- just still there. And I think it's going to be there for a while longer uh, if we protect it. Uh, there's a chance to bond with the people that you're traveling with in ways that you can't normally do. You can disconnect in certain places from Wi-Fi and from from everything in some places you have no choice you're going to have five six days and you're going to have to tell your 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 company that you out you are out of reach yeah. not a lot of Wi-Fi on Kilimanjaro I there's found not out. a lot of Wi-Fi there there's not a lot in the middle of Botswana so I can actually if if you want to disconnect and say okay Karen I need to disconnect where are the places you could send me that I won't be able to get a Wi-Fi connection we could do that for part of the time and then plan it where you have a, a day to connect back in to get caught up and in today's world I mean people are asking those kind of questions um but it's magical. Um, in 27 years, I've met maybe two people 
who didn't like their trip to Africa and thousands of people who love it, who want to go back. Uh, have you heard the saying, those who drink of African waters will always return? And it's true. Is that a certain, an old tribal uh, saying? I, it is, it is. And, and so I don't think that people will go there only once in a lifetime, and I tell them that. But I say, you know, let's treat this as, as if your trip is going to be your once-in-a-lifetime. I know better. I know that once you go there, probably in three to five years you'll go back. But let's just assume you won't, and let's plan that trip for, for that one-time trip. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty magical. Um, How do you think, to wrap it all up, how do you think all this travel and a lifetime devoted to it has changed you as a person and how you look at the world? I feel really connected um, to people around the world. I mean, it's it breaks down it breaks down any kinds of um, prejudices or or barriers that you put up um, for yourself. It also challenges you to question it's challenged me to question you know um, material possessions and what I really need to be happy in life you know um, when I look and I see people who are you know have pretty simple lives um, and I'm talking about local people in Africa everybody isn't sitting around starving and waiting for for handouts I mean people sometimes are living simple lives um, there's a community of people. They're not maybe spread all spread spread apart. You know, I have family in Boston, New York, North Carolina, Nashville. We never see each other. My husband and I and our kids are out here in California, trying to figure out for every holiday how we're going to get back and see our family. And meanwhile, you see communities of people in Africa connected with their kids, and you know. So who's <laughs> It takes a village. Yeah. Well, and who's who's got it? You know, we have material possessions living in Los Angeles, and, you know, we struggle, and we've got our, uh, you know, to... Yeah, you don't to, need much to live on. Yeah. I, um, I have learned that with travel over the years, but, uh, you know, it, it's in the end, it, it really is about happiness, and you can get happiness with not much. You can get, mm -hmm. you know, you just need... A community. You need a family. You need, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a purpose, really. You know, I think that really helps mm -hmm. <laughs> in it, terms of happiness. It, having I mean, a purpose I know helps. people with a lot of money who are the most miserable people Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think just also, I, it's just made me really appreciate nature and the outdoors. And um, it's it's a pretty special place to be to have those havens and on on the planet and to know that we have them even when i'm here to know that i can imagine you know a places like just the open serengeti plains or or a quiet little spot in the Okavango delta and i can just bring those thoughts back if i'm sitting in the middle of traffic or i'm stressed out and it just helps me balance myself. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad I could finally pin you down and uh, and get this interview. Yes, between... I was going to try to... That's uh, a long story why I didn't see you the first time, because I slept through with jet lag. 
know. I <laughs> at the party you went to, but that was my fault. After climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, you, you needed like 20 years I did, of sleep. I did. Okay, where can people uh, find you online, and uh, what are the addresses if they want to take a trip? Or We are at www. Yeah, we got that part. Anastasiasafrica.com. <laughs> so it's, it's Anastasias with an S, mm-hmm. Africa. Um, I'll have links on the site perfect, as well. Perfect, perfect. Uh, TravelTalesPodcast.com, uh, everyone. And, of course, we're, we're on Twitter and Facebook and et cetera. So. Great. Uh, happy to talk to anybody directly as well. We we tend to spend a lot of time, as I said, getting to know clients and then helping them design the trip. It's a custom kind of a trip, not a package trip. Great. So. Taryn Jones, everybody. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Oh